Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. friends hello friends i am shen and i'm lay and welcome back to the waldy nut podcast welcome (laughs) just trying to get my life together how are you i'm in the best yeah you're good because (laughs) school is officially over friends i knew you'd be celebrating (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness if you are a teacher and you are listening to this right now. I don't care where you are. I don't care what's around. You need to just like jump up and down and clap for yourself. Because honestly, this year has kicked our asses. It has been exhausting. It has been so tiring and taxing. And I could not be happier. Like I, I definitely, yes, love what I do. But I feel like this isn't the best version of it. So it's been a hard year for me, to be honest with you. And I'm just ready to throw in the towel and start anew in September. So I'm in the best mood. <laughs> Are you going to go in person in September? We have no choice. Um, and I'm also going back, stepping into a new role, which should be really interesting. Um, I'm not going to be like in the classroom per se, like traditionally. Well, I will be for one course, but then I'm going to be um, teaching basically like alternative education. So I'm going to be working. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I saw, like, I could, I always know, like, I, I was recommended that at another school that I was at, they were like, you have the perfect personality to work with those kids, like, perfect. And I was like, nah, I'll see. <laughs> and then I like transitioned out into another school. And then when they, when there was talks about the, um, about introducing the course, it was a brand new school. The, I, another teacher was like, your name came up. I'm like, I'm not surprised. So here we are. So yeah, that's what that, it looks like. I'll be there. So it should be interesting. Still in the school and still in the classroom, I guess, in some respects, but like a completely different learning experience. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I can totally <laughs> see that. You're such a cool teacher. I mean, you know, I relate to the children. I'm being down. Because <laughs> you got your ears to the streets. That's it. Always <laughs> listening, listening, and just trying to connect, you know? Um, so yeah, I definitely, I, I think there's, I have a special place in my heart for students like that. Although I wasn't that student, uh, my husband was that student for sure. Um, mm-hmm. in some respects, my sister was that student. So I feel like, yeah, I, t- two of the, the closest people to me were those kinds of students. So I'm kind of excited. Just misunderstood. Big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> misunderstood for sure. And really, really feeling just so out of place. So we'll see what happens there, but Enough about that. We done. <laughs> You're like, I'm done with school. Don't talk Don't to me about, about that it. Okay. <laughs> um, how are you, my darling? I'm doing great. You know, cool. Same old, same old. Keeping busy. Yeah. My lists keep getting bigger. You know what it is. <laughs> you know, I have an everlasting list of things to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And I keep adding more for some reason because I love to be busy and stressed and tired. I hear that. My toxic trait. (laughs) (laughs) My vice. Obsessing over everything. Oh my gosh. This morning, my fire alarm went off. Oh my God. And holy, I did not know. Like Joe and I were in bed. It started flashing and immediately he like in 1.2 seconds ran through the whole house. I so quickly like jumped down to the vents and started sniffing. I'm like, I don't feel any smoke. I scooped winter up so quick in case I had to jump out a window. Hello. I was like so ready, like mama bear mode. That's what I'm saying. Those mama instincts. (laughs) It was nothing. The damn (laughs) fire alarm. It always The battery battery is low. I was like, listen, 4 a.m. 
on a Friday night. Like, no, I needed my sleep. I was oh. so upset. And then we couldn't go back to sleep afterwards. The adrenaline was too high. <laughs> I mean, that's it. When you said that Joe ran to the house at one point, I was like, Joe, you better work. Like, listen, <laughs> get you a man that has some fire under his ass. Literally. <laughs> I could trust him now. <laughs> to protect He's his past the test. Right? <laughs> He's like, no, these are my prized possessions. I'm running. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, I'm happy that like everything was okay, but I, I can imagine yeah. it would have been super stressful. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Well, you're here and you look good, girl. We wouldn't know. <laughs> you know how I do. Well, friends, it is another day. <laughs> another day where we get to chit chat with each other, but we also get to chit chat with someone who I'm so freaking excited about. Like, I feel like I've been like fangirling a lot this season <laughs> like oh my goodness when I when the when the emails come in I'm like is this real is it spam I know <laughs> are we sure is it her um so we have just a Canadian icon here friends we have Trey Anthony um here to check in with us and chat with so us exciting. about so many interesting awesome things and we're so fortunate so hey girl welcome thank you thank you for having me no oh, problem. You're- how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really well. Thanks. And you guys? Mm. You know, living our best lives. But just living, nice. just living. <laughs> I think because Ontario's opening up, I feel like it's hard. It's hard for us to complain much because wow. Like, yeah. We've just waited so long. <laughs> yeah, it feels like forever. I get it. That yeah. I get. Yeah. Yeah. So very happy about that. Um, even though like the rest of the week, I don't know if you guys noticed, I saw a meme yesterday that said that um, it's because they're now moving into phase two. They got the government to activate the shitty weather. The, the weather machine? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like it's raining until like Every day. December. Like it's just like nonstop <laughs> rain for the next two weeks. Like what the heck? Oh my God. Well, people will still go out. I'm sure they don't you know care they at this point. They yeah. I saw I my, uh, some hot knee high rain boots. <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. going People outside. Exactly. Go. I saw a uh, picture or sorry, yeah, a video of this guy and he was there was literally just rain going into his cocktail. It was just watering down his cocktail and he was still sipping it. I'm like, you yeah. know what? I appreciate you. <laughs> I That's feel right. that. Why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going. So it doesn't matter. I'm going. Love it. Um, all right. So friends, it's our favorite time. It's the time where we get to nominate incredible mothers. Um, and there are so many dope ones to nominate. So let's jump right to it. Oh, bomb moms. <laughs> All right, there you go. We got it. We good. Um, so I don't know. Trey, do you want to go first and nominate an incredible mother? Yeah, sure. Ooh, I'm going to nominate Gabrielle Union. I really love her and her <laughs> shady baby. I love her. Um just how she mothers like I find she's a very fun mom and I love her memes that she posts with her daughter and she always has me laughing her daughter is just amazing and I just love that she shares her with us and um I just find her hilarious like really hilarious and I think a lot of people have told me like you know how I am with my son we have this kind of um really just like this funny relationship where we're always laughing me and my son we really enjoy each other and I think he's very similar to my parenting style so that's who I'm gonna nominate awesome I love that we love Gabrielle Union over here yeah (laughs) we do we were saying that she's like an incredible mother like to her biological child and like the best bonus mom yeah yeah like who wouldn't want her as a bonus mom like come on yeah (laughs) so cool I, I really like her yeah really love her and I love, like, you know, how she's handling the whole transition with her daughter, Zaya, um, yeah, mm-hmm. as trans. So I just think, yeah, I think she's really amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's super dope. Awesome. Manifesting Gabrielle Union on the podcast. <laughs> Hello. <you> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to nominate a YouTuber. You know, I've, I've been nominating YouTuber lady because they have been doing such a great job. The ones that I follow, at least the OG ones, nice. the ones that learn how to pivot and, you know, continuing mm. to grow their businesses. So I'm going to nominate uh, Fash. Her name is Styles by Fash. She was an OG YouTuber that used to do make- makeup and hair. Okay. And she has now pivoted to become this boss entrepreneur. She has her own shop. 
Ooh. called Laced with Style. She has really amazing pieces. She's pivoted to have a style page and she does she continues to do her hair and and beauty uh videos and stuff, but she's very vocal about, you know, having streams of income and I love when YouTubers are transparent and mm. and show people that like this is not the only way. You have to grow a business if you want to be successful for the long term and and being able to provide for your family and being mm. a boss, a boss mom. So I have to shout yeah. her out. Style by fashion. This is kind of like a random nomination, but it's only because I stumbled upon her yesterday. Um, all right, I'll just I'll just contextualize it. So basically, yesterday, one of our good friends, shout out to Shy, and also shout out to Thrifty and Lux, where you can get all your rental needs. Oh. <laughs> um, so she. Our good friend Shai posted a reel yesterday um, and the song accompaniment was A. Marie. Um, I think it was Why Don't We Fall in Love. I think mm-hmm. it was that. And I loved that song so much. Also yes. loved A. Marie. And it Go just, back. when she posted it, I just got into like an A. Marie. So I was listening to A. Marie all day yesterday. I just put it on like Spotify, play everything Amory and it was such a vibe and then I like was just called to go to her Instagram and again in the interest of pivoting like wow she's doing really cool things so she's a Mm -hmm. mom now of like the most adorable son named River and she talks about her journey to motherhood um she talks about like you know like how about how difficult you know that was kind of getting there and you know some of the struggles that she faced and how she's trying to now navigate like you know, her career and being a mom. Um, but she's really, she's just embraced motherhood and allowed it to kind of take precedence because she feels most fulfilled in that space now. And I, and I love that because I think, you know, we talked before with another artist about like feeling compelled to continue to put on because everyone's Mm -hmm. going to say like, Oh, you're a mom. Now you're washed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just said, you know what? I had to be true to what felt right to me at the time and, and investing in my son feels right. So I love that. And I love how she was pushing, um, literacy. She has her own like little book club now, but again, I think what, what, what stood out to me most was her like stance on social justice. Like she's really, really vocal because I mean, the unique duality of being black and Asian, right? Mm-hmm. So she's talking about like experience anti-Asian racism growing up and, you know, her mom. And then she spoke about, like, of course, anti-Black racism and her father and, and herself. And, you know, just the importance of, you know, teaching kindness and, and, and really understanding these systemic issues and working to eradicate them. So she's done a great job. So, Amory, <laughs> you are my bomb mom nom. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's let's jump into today's episode. Trey, um, such an honor to have you here again. And we're super excited. And there's lots of things that we want to talk about. But before we even get into all the awesome things um, that you're doing and that you've done, please, if by chance there is someone listening who doesn't know you, I can't imagine that to be the case. But if that's the case, (laughs) can you share a little bit about who you are and, um, you know, why you're so incredible? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm Trey Anthony, um, producer, writer, author, um, best known for my work, um, The Kink in My Hair. I was the first Black woman to have a TV show on a primetime network in Canada. I've also done my other play, How Black Mothers Say I Love You, mm. um, which is now being adapted into a TV show and film. And I'm a producer, I couldn't remember the word, a producer, (laughs) development producer at CTV Bell Media right now. And I'm also now promoting my self-help book, um, a memoir, Black Girl in Love with Herself, which is a guide to 
Black women to live our best damn lives, create mm -hmm. balance, mm -hmm. and, you know, deal with all of our trial, childhood traumas and really just kind of see, like, what really it is about us being Black women trying to navigate this world that doesn't truly see us at all times mm -hmm. and how to just make space for us and ourselves and our busy lives and juggling it all. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I'm also a new mom to Yay. a little boy that I adopted. So that has been great trying to navigate that. Um, he's 17 months old. So that has been my everything that I do. And um, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at Black Girl in Love. Fabulous. Awesome. Okay. So, I mean, the kink in my hair, renowned play. I think I watched it three times. I mean, I was just, I was yeah. too obsessed not to come because <laughs> I went once with like my mom and my sister and then I'm like, oh my goodness, no. So I, then I went again with a couple of my friends and then I took my husband. Um, well, my, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my now husband. So loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and that was something that you created. Of course, that was something that you directed and you had creative control over, which was awesome. But that mm -hmm. wasn't always the case for you. Right. Yeah. At one point you were kind of, you know, much like other creatives really at the mercy of some of these other big directors and big producers. Um, so tell me what that journey was like for you, you know, kind of waiting or hoping for a seat at the table to like creating your own damn table and making opportunities for yourself and other yeah. black creatives. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always been about really being really secure in my voice and my mm -hmm. work about what I wanted to do. And so with the kink in my hair before that, I was doing, um, I was writing for the comedy network on a show called After Hours with Kenny Robinson. Okay. And so that was good. But like you said, like you're still under the powers that be, right? Mm -hmm. And when I did the kink in my hair, funny enough, um, I was trying to get it into mainstream theaters and nobody could see the vision of, you know, a play about seven black women, right? They were just like, nope, nobody's gonna come to see that. Black people don't come out to theater. Mm. And so really for me, um, that was the first time I had actually produced and directed um, the, first re um, the first actual production of it. And then I just got really confident in my ability to kind of be like, this is what I want to do. And this is the control that I want to take with my creative work. And so that has been really important. And to be quite frank and transparent, I had way more creative control when the production was a theater production. Mm. Once it got to TV, um, it was a whole different ball game um, ah. because we're dealing with, you know, production execs, TV execs, sponsorship, advertising. And so I talk a lot about that in my new book, Black Girl in Love with Herself, about what it's like negotiating that space as a Black woman when you feel you should have power, but you really don't have creative power and control. And some of just the various microaggressions that I faced, you know, of like, me and my co-creator Ngozi Paul being called intimidating or difficult to work with wow. or you know those kind of things or aggressive because we were just really clear on the kind of show tv show that we wanted to make and people weren't used to black women being in a position of power and being able to vocalize that and so I talk about it in the book that as much as it was one of the biggest things that kind of like um, propelled my career to another level it was also one of the places when I look back in my life that I felt really powerless and not being able wow. to voice my opinions and just being scared right we were really scared we were scared young girls we were in our 20s when the show happened and wow. we were scared that they were going to take it away from us right and we had mm -hmm. so many black and brown people counting on us right down to the camera crew down to hair and makeup so we were scared to really voice our opinions you know so that is something I talk a lot about in the book that the more successful you are and the more you climb up the ladder you see very few faces that look like you mm. and how often they try to silence you as black women who they deem as powerful. They want to kind of chip away at your self-esteem and definitely silence you. That's incredible because it's like, you saw the play. Like yeah. Yeah. you saw the play, like you came, saw the play and thought, wow, this could really be something. So like, it, it's shocking to me that like, it's shocking to me that the, that the objective wouldn't always be preserve the integrity of what this is. Because 
good. What this is is so good. That's why we're here. Yeah. Like that's why it's selling out. That's why the tickets can't stay on the shelves because they keep selling out because it's so good. Yeah. So like, how does it translate then to like, now that it's in front of the main screen? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to change this, this, that, that, this, this, mm-hmm. that, that, that. Yeah. It's shocking to me. Yeah. Well, you hear a lot of creatives talk about that, you know, like even um, Issa Rae talks about it for mm-hmm. Insecure. Dave Chappelle talked about it when he was doing his show for the comedy yeah. network. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is just, I think there's a lot of misconception around when you are called the creator of your own show of how much power you really do have. Mm. And so for me, that is why I tend to really function more and be much more happier in live events and the theater space, because that truly is my vision. And I'm not checking in with anybody. Whereas in TV and film, you're checking in with a lot of people because they're the ones who are giving you the money to put this production together. And so whoever is holding the purse strings are the ones who really have the power in it. So I think people just don't really understand that unless you're in it. And I think especially when you're a black woman, there's another level of people just trying to really control your vision. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, disappointing, but I mean, it's still, (laughs) that's disappointing, but I mean, disappointing but if I'm being very honest not surprising like yeah it simply isn't like I think I, I, I've, I've learned that I mean I'm sure maybe you've experienced something similar but even in the education space I've seen how um, the presence of someone of color um, can be very misleading it's like wow mm-hmm. like a black VP this might this is so incredible and it's like then speaking like privately with that VP you know and having them kind of share some of the things that they're experiencing you know when they go to um you know, big events where they get to speak Mm -hmm. and and kind of advocate for their kids or like, you know, explain what their vision is for the school. It's kind of like, yeah, no, we're not really going to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so then why did you you hire me? Like, Mm -hmm. you you said you wanted this, but this is not really what you want. Exactly. Um, What's her name? Oh God, what's her name? I could see her right now. Elaine Wentworth. Um, She was the first Black woman to be the editor of Teen Vogue. Mm -hmm. She talks about it in her book very Mm -hmm. eloquently about how they rolled her out as like the first black woman and yet she had no kind of power in decision making she had to consult with two other women who were below her she wasn't getting paid the same amount of money that they were paying the other chief editor um and she said it was all about appearances right so they were rolling it out saying she was the first black woman and she said it was the place where she felt the most powerless and it just looked good for them to say that but she really mm-hmm. had no power and I I totally related to that in her mm-hmm. book when I was just like that's what they do they roll us out so they can you know toot the diversity horn but what's going on behind the scenes people do not know like what we are dealing with daily you mm-hmm. know so, um yeah so I always say to people there's you know the face and then you okay. actually have to see what's going on behind that and yeah. that's a whole different story. I appreciate that though, because I mean, you saw the importance of continuing on with with that those stories and how important mm-hmm. it was. And I mean, I watched the kink in my hair, the play twice. And being the <laughs> being oh, the age that I was, <laughs> being the age that I was at that time, it was so important for yeah. me to watch to watch that. And mm-hmm. I just felt so heard and seen mm-hmm. being a black girl that had my kinky hair in high school while everyone yeah. was like, you know, really into achieving video girl status. Mm-hmm. I felt like this is it. This is me. Like, I feel like this was so important for me to see and celebrate. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate that you stuck, stuck with the vision and, and took yes. it all the way, even though there were so many people probably trying to stifle the, those stories mm-hmm. and exactly. take your voice away. So yeah, kudos to you for making that Thank important you. choice and, and taking one for the team. I know. <laughs> and I do, we definitely appreciate that. But I think, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, another group of people who were equally as thrilled to see you represented and to see you showcasing your talent. And that's the LGBTQ plus community. Now, mm-hmm. um, I remember, you know, listening to your TEDx talk where you talked about the, the kink in my hair being a really unique space for you or time for you, because while producing and, and coming out with this incredible, you know, production, you're also coming out to the world. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine like how scary that shit must have been. 
because <laughs> that's really wild. Like I, I can't, like, I can't even wrap my head around it. I, I think of it kind of like a, a friend of mine who was recently on Big Brother Canada and she came out on Big Brother Canada. And I remember watching the episode and I was like, well, <laughs> like, I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that, like what that was like. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that, again, you wanted to cater to us Black girls and we were so grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. But how else did your, um, did your, you know, sexuality kind of influence mm-hmm. your, your creative journey? Yeah, like for me, it was um, funny enough, when I started doing the kink, I was very closeted, um, um, but I was out to the cast and I was out to my family. And it wasn't until we got to Mervish um, Productions, the Princess of Wales Theater, where, you know, we were in a 2000 seat theater. Um, Before that, anytime I did any press interviews, I was very clear that I wouldn't talk about my personal life. Mm. And I was just kind of like, if you want to ask about the play, you can, but I'm not going to talk about my personal life. And then um, I also at that time, which was just the irony was just crazy. I was um, also volunteering at this um, organization called Soy. And it was, I was mentoring Black queer youth. And I really felt at one point when one of them said to me, well, you talk about like, there's nothing wrong about being queer and to stand in your identity. And yet you're not out, right? Like you're not Mm -hmm. out publicly. And that was something that I really, like, it hit me. Yeah. And so I was thinking about it, but I also was being cautioned a lot by, you know, my creative team and the people who helped my marketing, did my marketing. And they were like, you know, your following is black, right? And mostly West Indian. And they're not going to accept yeah. this. And you're going to yeah. lose a lot of people. And then there was a part of me was just like, I just got to be true to myself, yeah. right? And so it was one of those things that it was really impulsive. Like I wasn't thinking about it. And I was being interviewed in the now, by the Now magazine. Mm-hmm. And the reporter said, very funny, like he kind of went the back door way. And he said, well, you have this monologue about a black lesbian um, coming out to her family. And he said, like, do you write from experience? <laughs> right? And I knew where he was going with this. And, well played. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like you haven't asked me about my personal life, but you just said, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Like I'm done with the charade, yeah. you know. And I just said, I said, yeah, it's definitely my story. And I said, I, ad- I identify as a black queer woman. And that was the first time I had publicly said it. And of course it was front page like in the news and and everything but it was really freeing for me and just like people predicted I did lose quite a few um followers of people Mm -hmm. who were just like oh I can't do this and you know Jamaica Mm -hmm. and you know you know that kind of oh she has sodomite blah 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 whatever you know (laughs) but in that I also got a lot of people from the LGBTQ community who started following me and supporting me and then I also got people from the straight community who were just like, thank you for just standing in your authentic truth. Exactly. And I think because they knew that I was getting this backlash, people just started gathering around me more and people mm-hmm. were just like, we're going to support you. It doesn't matter. And ever since then, it's just not been this big deal because I, I do think when people know that you ain't got nothing left to lose, they True. don't mess with you in the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I show up as a black queer woman at all times right people know I never hide it this is who I am and for me it's really important and I can't tell you how many people like I've had like women in their 40s who have left their husbands who have emailed me and saying I don't know how to do this but I knew I was gay from when I was 16 and just seeing just seeing you out can you give me any kind of you know guidance or information I've had teens who are 12, 13 emailing me, you know? So you just don't know who you're impacting Mm -hmm. and who's watching you. And so that has been my biggest lesson of just being like, I just walk in my truth at all times and who likes it, likes it, and who don't like it too bad, you know, right? And that's to me, like not everybody's going to love you. You know what I mean? Like you're not ice cream. That's how I look at it, right? So- (laughs) And even then, some people are lactose and still can't. Right, lactose intolerance, right? <laughs> so, still eat it though. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's me, right? So that's how I feel. So I've just always been myself, like moving yes. forward since then. I'm kind of like, this is what it is. 
and there's no shame in it, right? So um, that's how I feel and that's how I move through the world. I love this so much. I especially love the fact that like teenagers call you on your shit. Because teenagers yeah. always, oh, they do. always, they, do. they just always, they, they just can't get, they don't let you get away with nothing, nothing, nothing. And I truly believe like, you know, if he hadn't said what he said, I would still be in the closet. Cause I was like, Damn. yeah, like this is like, you're being a hypocrite. Like this is bullshit. Like you can't tell them, oh, be proud of who you are and what you do. And yet you're not out in the media. Right. Yeah. And so wow. I was like, yeah, call me up. And I needed to be called out. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Everything happens the way it's supposed to happen, you know. Yeah. And now you're able to live free and, and live in your truth and and mm-hmm. and you're a better person Thank for that. And that's such a perfect way to to be an example for your child as well. To yes. to live your most authentic self. And I guess that will segue into like you having a new little one. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And and I would love to get some insight on how you're juggling, you know, being a business woman and taking Mm. care of such a young child. (laughs) Yeah, that is so important and essential. Um, You know, I think for me, it's one thing that I really talk about a lot around self-care. And Mm. I talk about it in the book, Black Girl in Love with Herself, of this balance, right? And I think one of my biggest examples for me was Shonda Rhimes, who is also solo parenting Mm -hmm. and who also has like three adoptive daughters. Right. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And when she said in her book, um, a year of yes, she said, I realize that I'm always failing at something. Right. So when I'm deciding to write a script and focus on the script, then I'm not there for my, I'm sometimes missing like my daughter's kindergarten recital or if I'm deciding to take care of myself, then I'm also then not in the writer's room, right? Mm-hmm. And so she said, you just have to accept that, that you can't be all things to everybody at all times. And that was the biggest learning lesson for me. Um, and one of the things that I really do is I recognize that my son gets up between like 6.30 and 7. I get up every morning, pretty much like 4 to 4.30 because I need that two hours for myself, right? So some people wow. are like, oh, you get up at 4 4 30 yeah. and I think that it makes me a better person because I meditate I drink my coffee in peace and silence the house is quiet you know um the other thing that I do which was really important to me I drop my son at school every morning and I park my car in the parking lot yeah and right then and there I go for my jog right and so I do my jog walk because I realize once I get home I'm like full work mode right so I used to always make the excuse oh uh, you know I'll exercise in the evening or, and I just know I ain't gonna do it right because once my son gets home it's all about him again so that is something I do of prioritizing my self-care first um, I talk about it in the book around just like meditating journaling you know mm. doing spa days for yourself you know especially mm. especially now that the world is opening up and also getting support you know, asking for support. Yeah. Um, even right now I'm planning a getaway for myself. Um, and I had asked my mom to look after my son for four days. And a friend of mine said, why do you, why are you doing four days? You, you deserve a week, like take a week. And I was like, oh, I can't leave my son for a week. And she was like, you really feel three days is going to make a big difference. <laughs> right. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm going to take a week. I am worthy of a week. And when I come back, I will be a better mom to him. But I think it's about us knowing that our children deserve us to be well. Mm. And that has been the biggest thing that I talk about in the book. Um, I'm not going to be this martyr mother. I'm not going to be this self-sacrificing mother. I'm going to always make sure that my health and well-being is my first priority. Because then when I'm well and taken care of, I'm better to take care of and make my son better. Mm. And that's how I've decided. And I think especially when you're a solo parent, right? The only person they have to count on is you. So to me, I'm just like, my well-being has to be at the top of my list at all times. That's a word, friends. (laughs) I needed to hear that. I know, that was for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the record, that was for me. No, I, oh my gosh. Wow. Listen, I agree that. And that's reoccurring. Like every time we talk to these successful women, every time they keep saying they wake up at 430. I'm like, wait, (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't understand. I just feel like I, and I, it's so like Chanel's not lying. I kid you not. Some of the most like esteemed guests that we've had on this show 
what they doing consistently say that like yeah. I get up at 4 30 I get up at 5 30 like how like I, like, well, I can't even my day starts at was it 3 <laughs> 30 <laughs> like the, the times are just outrageous to me and I'm like are you kidding me like that's when I'm getting my best sleep <laughs> like, that's when I'm just like turning over flipping the pillow over getting the cold side sticking like that's when I'm really nuzzling into sleep at 4 30 so yeah. I can't even imagine getting yeah. up then but at the same time then I, I get, get it up at like 7 45 and I'm a like a, a mess a hurricane yeah, because actually, you guys are mothers, so you know this. Like, once they get up, I don't know about you guys, but my son just w- wakes up. Like, I just feel like he just chooses destruction yeah. every morning. Yeah, <laughs> right. So Violence. Just, All right. Violence. So he's just like, I am going to destroy your life. Yeah. So I have to prepare for that. I just have to prepare for that. Like, just getting him ready in the morning, getting a one and a half year old ready yeah. in the morning. I believe every mother deserves a trophy, a foot <laughs> massage, a maid to come into your house and help you. That alone Agreed. just, that just gets me. Like Agreed. sometimes in the morning, I'm just like, who the hell picks this? Yeah. Decide that they're going to dress a toddler. Like there's some mornings I'm just like, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to bring him to school in the diaper. I really am. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm telling you. Or bring the clothes in the bag. You dress them. Yeah. You dress them. So yeah, I, I have to take that time because I would freak out. And that's what, when I'm meditating and I'm taking that time for myself, I'm able to be way more patient with him. And that's what a lot of friends say to me is, oh my God, you're so patient with him. But it's because I'm patient with myself. Like I take that time in the morning to be patient and clear with myself. And the mornings that, you know, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm perfect. Like I do it, you know, five days a week, but there are some mornings that I'm just like, no, I'm going to sleep in. And those are the days where I realize I'm the most impatient with him. Mm. I'm the most frazzled. Mm. I'm the most upset. And so I'm just like, I don't want to start my day like this. I know to be a better mom and the best me, I need to get up at 4, 4.30. Straight up. Um, I think the universe is telling me to get my ass up. Same. Like, <laughs> yeah, same. Your kids should not be your alarm clock. Because if they are your alarm clock, you have no time for yourself. And that's how I see it. Yeah, Literally my life. My- I'm like, yeah. okay, literally, it's morning. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, it's true know. though because the couple of times that I did decide to wake up at five a.m., it was it felt like such a luxury to have a hot cup of coffee that was yeah. hot the whole time. Yes. And I was able to finish it hot. Like I, <laughs> I never knew how great it was to like actually finish a cup of coffee. As it burnt my lips. Like, it was so good. I was so happy about it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. You're definitely right. And I do, and I want to be, again, more patient. Because I do find that, like, I get kind of frustrated and snappy. And I, they're just toddlers. They're just, they're just doing what they do, right? It's not like my waking up, like, I can't wait to destroy you. But it's just like, she's just doing what she does. And I think that, like, you're right. Like, I've got to figure out how to create some semblance of peace before the storm. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, um, you know, the other thing that, that people were saying is that like, as you, especially as you go through your day, because of course, like, you know, shit will happen. It's like, you start to look forward to that moment. You're like, oh, but, but tomorrow, but tomorrow morning is mine. And I get that. So I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it. Like, I'm like, you start to actually look forward to like getting up early just yes. so that you can have that time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Yes. You have to be honest with yourself because, you know, I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll work out when she goes to bed, but then by the time she goes to bed, I'm spent. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted. So you know what? It's true. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I think I'm going to try. Well, I think the one thing that I'm definitely going to try is the walking. So you drive him to school. He, you yeah. drop him off. Then you go for a walk and come back for your car and or- come back and get my car. Yeah, I do. Wow. Because I know once I get in my car and head home, I'm in work mode. Somebody's going to send me something. My assistant will say, this needs your attention. That needs your attention. So I drop my son exactly at eight o'clock every morning. And then from eight to nine, that's my time to do my exercise. I come home and then I'm always like, I'm at my desk by 10. So that's kind of how I do my schedule. Mm. Because I have to Mm. do that hour of exercise for myself because I'm not going to do it. I know who I am. I know who yeah. I am. And I tried it the other ways around like, oh, once he comes home or once Same. he's in bed. No, yeah. Not- Same. Yeah. 
doing that. I'm trying that on Monday. I kid you not. I'm going to hold you to it. We should do I'm it together so we can hold each other accountable. I'm not joking. I'm going to. Like I was going to say, I want to send you a picture. I'm going to send you a picture and Trey, I'm going to send you one too. Okay. Please do. It works. I'm telling you. It's tie and all. Better know who you are. Know who you are and stop lying to yourself. That's what I say. I know oh, who I am. You. Yeah. All right. God. Um, I'm trying to be in love with myself. <laughs> and that's the perfect segue. <laughs> yes. So you have this new book. And I mean, you can't give us all the juice because then like, listen, you want us to go and buy it and watch and like, why wouldn't we? But I want to know details. Give us some things, give us motivations. What prompted the decision to create this beautiful craft, the name choice I love, but I also feel like, you know, as a result of like, you know, centering black women, there's been a little bit of hate thrown. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say a little bit. There's been some hate thrown your way. I did see your post the other day about um, you know, in your DMs, people saying heinous things to you about yes. centering and uplifting Black women as a Black woman. Mm-hmm. So bizarre. Yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what the journey was like to get to writing the book, the process of writing, and then, you know, what we can expect when we, when we read. Yeah, for sure. Um, funny enough, I got approached by Hay House to do a book. Hay House is the biggest North American self-help publisher um in america in north america so when i first got approached they were like we want you to do a book about manifesting a healthy and wonderful relationship giving black women tips on how to have a wonderful relationship and i've always been very vocal about how you know i'd written down all of the things that i wanted in a partner and then my partner came along and she was everything that i wanted and blah 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 right and people used to you know, put hashtag couple goals under us and blah, 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 blah. And so I was all excited. I was like, okay, let's do this. Right. And then five months before my first draft was due to the publisher, I got a text from my partner who said, I no longer want to do this. And I was like, what, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean? What? What, 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 what do you want to do? Text. Um, I found my relationship over and it was oh. so sudden, so quick. It felt like it just came out of nowhere. And those who know me know that I always walk in truth and authenticity. And I called the publisher and I said, I can't write a book Mm. like this, telling black women how to have this wonderful relationship. If I missed the tsunami that was hitting my own life. Right. I was like, Mm. who who am I to give damn advice? Right. I need (laughs) advice right now myself. And my publisher then said like, what book can you write? And then I said, the book that I can write and I feel I need to write is how do you get back up? when a bomb has hit your life Mm. and how you as a black woman is invested in curating a perfect life on Instagram that you sometimes miss some really huge red flags because you want people to write hashtag couple goals under your picture and how sometimes we give away the job of loving ourselves to other people Mm. and we should be the first one loving ourselves and I said that's the book I'm going to write. And I'm going to really talk and get really vulnerable and really raw about how I ended up where I ended up, you know? And when this happened, I just want to put it in context. I was writing this book. My son was two weeks old. I had just taken him home, right? So I had, I was a new mom. We were going into the pandemic. And of course, because I make my living as a speaker and producer of live events and film and TV, everything was being canceled left, right and center. So I went from a very high household income of two people making really great money to nothing because everything was getting canceled. So I was worried about my stuff financially. I was a new mom. I had to move out of our condo. I was given 14 days to move out of our condo with a brand new two-week-old baby. So to say my life was in shambles was an understatement right and I went through all of that by myself and I really wanted to tell women like you know I got up and I was just like I don't recognize my life Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am and the book Black Girl in Love with Myself herself is that journey of me just giving women advice on how to love yourself how to get over heartbreak how to reinvent yourself and pivot, right? How to look at some of your traumas because I had to really look at how did I make these choices? And a lot of the choices that I had made to stay in that relationship was based on as successful as I was, I still felt like a fraud. And I still felt you know, that I wasn't worthy 
of a good love or a great love. And, and I felt really just like, oh, wow, someone's so wonderful and beautiful and amazing and rich has chosen me instead of looking at what I brought to the table. I was like, I, I'm a good catch too. But yeah. all I was thinking was, oh, they're a good catch. You know, and it's so funny, like people will see me and be like, oh, you're just this powerful person and you're so successful. But there was still that little girl in me who was showing up going, pick me, pick me. I want everybody to love me. I want everybody oh, wow. to like you. And I think a lot of us don't realize as women how often the little girl in us is showing up to be loved mm -hmm. instead of the grown ass woman, successful woman mm -hmm. going, you know what? You're the shit. And Yay. you need to walk through the world like you're the shit. Amen. But instead you're waiting for validation from everybody else instead of yourself. Mm. So those are the mm. things that I talk about, you know, when I talk about my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my father, my relationship of just being a young little girl who really and truly didn't have adults showing up for her in life. Yeah. So I became that person who always wanted to please others. And it was showing up in all different ways, right? In my friendships, in my relationships at work. So that's what the book is about. And, and I really give concrete examples. And then I also give worksheets in the book for you to ask yourself some really hard questions, right? I give resources. I talk about Black women and mental health because that was something that was really important to me as I was going through this. I didn't even recognize that I had clinical depression. And that's something as Black women we don't talk about, like depression, anxiety, and so that was something that I had to be very public about where people were like, you? And I was like, yeah, I'm depressed. And I take medication for my depression now. And that was something I did not know. I didn't find that out until I was writing the book. So all of those things, it's my most vulnerable, my most raw work, but it's my most true work. And I have women just saying, oh my God, for the first time I feel seen. Like I thought I was the only one. And for you to use your platform to talk about things. So honestly, like women are like, I read your book and I was crying. I had one woman said, I picked up your book. I'm sitting in the Barnes and Noble and I'm actually in the corner just crying. Like I haven't even bought it yet, but I couldn't put it down. <laughs> and she goes, I just had to write you a note and say, this is me. And I think a lot of us who are A-type successful women, we put on this superwoman cape and act like we got it and a lot of times we ain't got it or even if we got it we shouldn't be getting it all the time by ourselves without support oh. right mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of us do we're like we got it we got it we got it until you're broken down and you ain't got nothing mm -hmm. so that's really what I say to people it's like my mess was my message and the breakdown became the breakthrough <laughs> and that's what it is oh gosh <laughs> Oh, got it. We got the quote. Right? So we got it. The it is, friends, episode title. We got it. Right? The breakdown becomes the breakthrough. And that's what it was. Like, I, you could wow. get no more Brock up than me at that time. I was <laughs> mash. Brock up. Right? That's more like, mash up. Like, I was like, where do I go from here? There's nothing else, no, nowhere else to go. Right? Damn. So I wanted wow. to know because I know so many people see me as this inspiration or think that I got my whole life together. And I had even fooled myself into believing that, right? So I was just like, no, if this could happen to me, it can happen to a lot of us, right? So mm -hmm. that's what was important. Wow, so important. <laughs> it's so yeah. amazing that you decided to share your mess with, yeah. with the world because that is yeah. like so many women, that's so yeah. many women, because we've learned to just push through and and do it all and we're yes. burnt out everyone's served and we are just done we're done exactly exactly and that was the wow. biggest lesson for me you know and there's a part in the book where I talk about where my mom and sister came to help me pack up the apartment mm. and I had pretended that I was okay and I, you know and there was one moment where I just felt like I was going to lose it and I said to my mother I don't think I can make this like I'm not going to make I get through this and I said I can't do this mm. and the tears just started coming and it was the first time I had really broken down in front of my mother my mother is like you know this really stoic Jamaican woman and I talk about she didn't know what to do with this level of emotion and so she kind of looked above my eyes and she was like you have to remember whose daughter you are your mother had it way worse your grandmother had it way worse you cannot make this destroy you you cannot make this kill you mm. and I said at that moment I realized yes because of the pep talks my mother had given me, 
I'm the success story that I am and I needed her strength. But at that moment, I also wanted her to say to me, it's okay to be vulnerable. This must hurt. You can cry. You can break down. You can think that you don't have all of the answers. It's okay. And I realized, I said in the book, my mother wasn't my safe place. And what I needed at that point in time wasn't a pep talk. I wanted someone to say, wow, this must really be hard for you. Mm-hmm. You are really hurting. It is okay to cry about it. And I wasn't given that permission. And so I said, how many of us as Black women, because I've done it myself, where my friends have been upset and I give them Angela Davis quotes and I'd be like, <laughs> girl, you got this. Instead of saying to my sister friends, this is terrible that this is happening to you. How can I support you? You need to take time for yourself. You need to cry. You don't have to show up strong. And that's what I talk about in the book. How do we create safe spaces for ourselves, but also for other Black women? Because we're too used to being called strong. And what if you aren't strong that day, right? Mm -hmm. Where can we go when we're not feeling strong? And that is what I wanted to talk about in the book. I had to learn how to be tender with myself because all I knew was how to be strong and how to get back up. And I just didn't have it in me anymore. Wow. That is powerful. 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 Very, very powerful and rings so true. I think will resonate with a number of women. Um, wow. I, I, I definitely, I think, and I think Shen and I are probably thinking about the same kind of experience because I remember when I was talking to my mom about fears of postpartum depression and I was talking to her about like, and she was just like, you know, her response, you know, my, my mom is incredible, but it was very much like, oh God, but this postpartum thing, like you new age kids and this depression and this, this, and this, that. And I was like, mom, like, and she's like, it's like in Jamaica, we never really have postpartum. That's a new, that's a American, that's a North American thing. And I'm like, I would beg to differ. <laughs> I would say that in Jamaica, you probably did have postpartum. I'm like, I think even you suffered from a bit of postpartum based on mm-hmm. things that you've shared with me. You just didn't feel safe enough to share. That's the only difference. The difference is that I actually feel safe and confident enough to tell you that mom, I'm afraid of this. And she was like, oh yeah, well maybe, but it's that. And I, and I think that that's, that's crazy. It's a scary thing to inherit. Yes. Right. Like exactly. it's a very scary thing to inherit like this. Like we must be strong. We can't be vulnerable. Vulnerable vulnerability is a, is, is a curse or is it, it's, it's a like, you know, sign. It's just like, it's somehow like a sign of dysfunction or like a defectiveness. Like I think mm-hmm. we've really, really, really embrace that. And I, yeah, I, I, I think that we have, we've got to let it go. We've got to let it go for, you know, black women and black men. We have to mm-hmm. abandon yes. the idea that we cannot be vulnerable, that we can't say we're scared and we're sad and we're worried and we're, we can't like, there has to be safety to say that. Exactly. And I feel like walking through the world, pretending that those feelings don't exist is of greater detriment than actually owning them. Exactly. Of course, exactly. of course. Yes. And we grew exactly. especially as Caribbean girls who mm-hmm. grew up seeing our, our moms and we talked about this many times on the yeah. podcast our mom's doing amazing things and I always talk about how like I have four other siblings and my mom was doing the most you know had a business went to school worked and still had everything going for us and I'm like I can guarantee that this woman was wrecked and yeah. had no other you know outlets she had a community but I'm sure they didn't talk about it yes and it wasn't until she had us you know first generation Canadians as children that are just like mom this mom that and me I'm a very like I was the opposite of my mom like I was a very quiet girl but I was ready to read her to filth when it came to things I didn't understand (laughs) so I was just like mom I'm you know, I was very vocal at being pregnant. I'm like, this is making me depressed. I don't want to throw up every day. Don't say that. You shouldn't say that. You can't call depression. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) I'm like, but it is like, I cry every single day of my life for almost nine full months because I was throwing up. And then, you know, it was hard conversations because I'm extra vulnerable. Yeah. And she didn't know how to respond or support me in the delivery room I was crying and saying I couldn't do this and I don't think she's ever seen me Uh, maybe because we didn't have like real heart to heart she's never Mm -hmm. seen me that vulnerable so she just looked tried to look through me (laughs) because she didn't know how to handle it she just held my hand and was like oh Jesus (laughs) Lord Jesus (laughs) 
was it? I was good because it, at that moment I knew that you know I broke a barrier because at that point I didn't stop talking about my feelings. Yeah. I would call her every day and tell her how I was feeling when I went through postpartum anxiety. I was very transparent. It scared her, but she knew now that this is important to talk about. And now she's, you know, regularly checking in with all of us. Yep. And, you know, we got to teach our parents too. It's never too late for them to We're learn. To, you know, even in the book, um, it's funny, the audio book, there's an audio book of the book, um, Black Girl in Love with Herself. There's a bonus interview with my mom and sister. And my mom wow, is talking about her experience with me when I was going through this and being depressed and what she thought. And it really is the most vulnerable I've ever seen my mom. But, you know, when she read the book, she even said to me, I had no idea you were going through all of this. And I had no idea that I was so hard on you. She goes, it made me cry when I read some of the things that you were going through. And I had no idea, you know? So I think what I've loved about this book is women have been buying it for their mothers, they've been buying it for their grandmothers, they've been buying it for their daughters, and they've been reading it together. And it's such a book that really heals generational that people are talking about. They're having conversations with their mothers that they've never had, and especially as Black Caribbean women. Mm, yeah. So many of them go, oh my God, your mother's, I feel like your mother's my mother. Yeah. You know, and they yeah. love the bonus interview with her because my mother's just my mother, you know, and she talks about it. Of, she realizes just how she has to mother differently, you know, and she's changing and she's trying, you know? So we'd love for you to tell our followers where to find your book and where to find you because everyone needs to go read this book and I cannot wait to buy it myself because I need it. This is so important. (laughs) Sure. Well, the book is called Black Girl in Love with Herself. Like I said, you can also buy the audio book, especially for us busy moms. Since I've become a new mom, I have not read a single book. Everything has been through audible books to listen Mm -hmm. to books. So I listen to books in my car. I listen to it while I'm feeding the baby. So if you're a busy mom, I would definitely um, recommend the audible book. Um, You also can get it um, on Amazon, um, for those who want to support um, Black-owned bookstores in Toronto, different book lists is carrying it, so please go there. Nice. For those in the States, it's in Barnes & Noble, um, it's in Target, it's in Walmart, wherever books are being sold, that's where you can get the book. Awesome. And Beautiful. following you, where can we follow you and support you? And, and you can so follow love. me at Black Girl in Love on Instagram, Facebook, I'm under Trey Anthony and... Um, I'm not too great on Twitter, but I'm there under Trey <laughs> Anthony and the kink in my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Perfect. Trey, this Thank, you so, Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for much. having me. Thank you guys. Oh my gosh. Thank you. No problem. You have the story best with us. day. Thank you. You too. Wow. That was so... That was so amazing. I think I needed that every time I say that every week, but like <laughs> the universe knows exactly who we need to talk to every single time. Every time. That resonated yeah. on so many so much. levels. My good God. Oh, Whew. man. That's, that was beautiful. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that we had a chance to sit with her. Um, you know, especially before we closed off, we did not forget, friends, that it's June. And June means it's Pride Month. So happy Pride for those who are celebrating. I think the one of the greatest ambassadors for Pride is certainly Trey, not only in just being authentic with her sexuality, but with every other facet of her life, her motherhood, her artistic journey, um, her blackness. So yeah, Mm -hmm. she's absolutely dope. So we needed to get her on um, as, you know, it's a shining light. (laughs) We're so grateful. Yeah, but to wrap it up, friends, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review. Um, I know that this, oh man, this might be one of my favorite episodes of the season so far. I was honestly, like I was holding back tears. This resonated with me so much. I've just been having such a hard past two weeks. Uh, (laughs) And um, it was just a reminder to just really take care of myself, like self-care. I know I I hear it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Um, But for me to implement it is so much harder for me for some reason so yeah it was just a great reminder to do so and really pour into myself but anyways (laughs) again head over to apple podcast to rate and review us five stars actually just go give us five stars it's just go (laughs) and um also you can head over to our website where you can check out our merch you can contact us 
for your bomb mom noms and give us some topic ideas if you guys are interested in hearing something or interested in hearing us interview a particular person Mm -hmm. send it over to us and we will try to make it happen and then you can also check us out on our socials on (laughs) instagram (laughs) pinterest uh tiktok facebook wtn podcast is where you can find us or you could just uh type in while they not podcast and you can find us as well anything else girl i think that's it you got it all (laughs) (laughs) well then with that being said nap time is over and we will see y'all on our next episode goodbye bye friends Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.